Thank you, Brianne. That's our sister, Brianne. It's one of the, the, the new leaders at our church that we've um, kind of raised up since we've moved here to Busan. It seems like a lot of newcomers here today. Wow, welcome, everybody. Um, my name is Pastor Caleb. I'm one of the campus pastors here at New Philly, Seaside. Uh, this is my wife, Pastor Mina. We moved down here along with uh, eight other uh, members of our church back in Seoul. So our ch- we're New Philadelphia Church, we have three campuses now. We have one in Chilim, which is right by SNU, uh, Seoul National University. We have another one, Itaewon. It's where all the foreigners hang out. So uh, we thought, you know, if we were a foreigner church, we should at least go where the foreigners are. So we, we opened one. Um, we, we planted one in, in Itaewon. They're going strong. They're at, a, they're at about 100 people. Um, and then this past uh, April... We uh, established uh, New Philly Seaside. We've been everywhere. We've been worshiping in bars, in Chinese restaurants, in hotels. And then uh, this past October, we actually uh, secured this place. And so this is actually our permanent sanctuary for now. Uh, and we're just really thankful to be here today. I'm really thankful to be here today. Um, this past weekend, I had a chance to go to my cousin's wedding. My cousin, I grew up with her when she was a little baby. She came to live with our house along with her sisters. Um, and, uh, and I just saw her grow up. You know, she used to come visit me when I was in California. And then uh, and she got married this past Saturday, yesterday. And it was a, it was a blessing. It was a, one of the fanciest weddings I've ever been to in my life. Uh, my uncle, I guess my, my aunt's husband, he's pretty well off. And so, uh, you know, Koreans want to outdo each other and kind of, uh, that's just a Korean style, I guess. Because uh, it felt like I was at the Grammys, man. It felt like, like I was at some celebrity's wedding. And it was just like, it was just pretty intense. It was like the Yuksan building which is the biggest building in, in Seoul. Not the biggest building in Korea, because there's a lot more bigger buildings here in Busan, but it was exciting, and it was fun. I was, it was a blessed time, blessed time to be there. I got, me and Mina had a chance to sleep over at Pastor Christian's new house, new, new apartment in, uh, Shin, Shin, what is that, Shindebang? Or Shindorin, yeah. Shindebang sucks. Yeah, man, nobody stops at Shindebang, man. I used, to live, I, used to, I used to go to, I used to work by Shindebang, and I was like, man, I've never seen anybody get off at the stop. It shouldn't even exist, you know? But Shindorim is like the new up-and-coming uh, part of Seoul, and they, they moved into a new beautiful apartment down there. Got a chance to spend some time with uh, Pastor Christian and Pastor Ann, who's the lead pastors of our church. They, they're over at Hillside Campus, and um, they lead together as the lead pastors of New Philadelphia Church. So newcomers, I'm blessed to see you guys here. Uh, yeah, I'm really uh, honored to have you guys. Hope you guys enjoy the word today. Uh, just a quick thing. Um, I'm preaching through uh, developing a sense of call. Um, this is my third sermon in developing a sense of call, uh, knowing God's will for your life. You know, it's really important. A lot of people, not non-Christians, uh, think, you know, they even, you know, Christians, but even non-Christians, they all believe that they want to know what, what, why they're here on earth. You know, a lot of people pay a lot of money to figure that out, to go to like uh, so, what, uh, uh, tarot card readers and, and, you know, all that nonsense, silly nonsense. They go to like uh, people like crystal balls and like, you know, psychics and stuff. But for a Christian, for the believers, our, our goal is to find out God's will for our life. Why are we here? Why, you know, what's God's call? What has, what has he called me to do? You know, and, uh, and a lot of us, we kind of uh, go about trying to figure out what the, the end is. We're like, you know, what, what does he want me to do? But we never uh, figure out the means. And that's what the, 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 the sense of call is, is, is knowing uh, not ex- eventually what you're going to be doing, but how to get there. I mean, the process, it's a process. You know, people think, oh, I have a calling in life. You know, God called me to be a rapper, like AJ. Like, man, I'm going I'm to be a rapper. I could tell. You know, God called me. He gave me the skills and the talent to do so. And so I'm going to be a rapper. 
but that he has no how, he has no idea how to get there. You know, he ain't he ain't writing no lyrics. He's not listening to hip hop music. He's like listening to classical music. He's not you know, and so you know, and and, he, and ultimately he might have that calling, but he may never reach it because he's not taking the right steps. He doesn't know the process in which you need to to the sense of call in order to for you to get and reach that calling. You know, and so it, it, that's what I'm preaching on today. Uh, it's not a matter of information. A lot of people think, oh, I just need to know the information. I just got to know, and then I'll get there. You know, it's not so much a matter of information, but it's a matter of discovering uh, the, per- the, the, the how to get there. You know, how, how are you going to eventually use it? The, discovering the details of God's call will, uh, is very important, and, and God thinks that is very important, but he, he believes that the process in which you're going to get there is a lot more important. Yes. Uh, you know, if God can develop your sense of call for a particular assignment, it won't matter what the details are. You will fulfill and complete that assignment no matter how hard it is, no matter how much you're attacked, no matter how much opposition you have, no matter what people say to you. If you have a sense of calling, you're going to be able to reach that place uh, with, the, with the help of the Lord. You'll be able to fulfill it through a sense of call. Um, so a lot of people are hung up on the, on, the, on the ends, but you need to know the means. And uh, my first sermon in this series was about the first things first, putting the foundational things first. You know, when you learn basketball... You know, a lot of people try to shoot. You know, when I first learned, my dad got me the, the basketball court outside. I got, and he bought me a basketball. First thing I tried to do was try to shoot. You know, me and my, my friend, we, we, we like actually put boxes up and try to dunk. Do like all, a lot of silly stuff like that. And a lot of people, they think that the, the, the best way to learn basketball is to practice shooting. But let, people don't know that if you don't know how to dribble the ball, you're going to suck at basketball. And a lot of Korean people, a lot of, you know, when I was growing up, a lot of people know how to shoot the ball, but when they have to dribble it, they're like, <laughs> like, traveling, man. Learn how to play the game, man. And you got to know the fundamentals. And the fundamentals of basketball isn't shooting, it's actually dribbling. Is it being able to move the ball from one place to another in the proper way. And, you know, the, and, and same with our spiritual lives. The first things must come first when it comes with our relationship with God. You know, our relationship... Uh, first thing that he's concerned with us is our relationship with him. He's all about relationship. You know, he's not about, you know, what you could do for him, you know, all the plans. He just wants a relationship with you. And that's the beginning of your call that God has for you. It starts at the relationship. I mean, he wants a relationship with you. Everything he does isn't so that, you know, he can get something out of you, but it's so that he can know you and he, you can know him. It's about relationship. Another first I need to put first is character. Now, he's more interested in what you're becoming than what you can do for him. You could do the greatest thing. You have all these talents and gifts, and you know I can I can do this. I'm really smart. I got like you know this much on my SATs, and I went to this school, man. I'm I'm you know, but he's he's not concerned about all that. He's concerned about more about your character and what you're becoming and how you're getting there. So you know you got to put your character first. A lot of people these days, you know. You look at them, and they look great on paper. But when you really get to know them, you're like, man, he really lacks character. He lacks the depth that, that a man of God needs. So you need to put character first. Also, you need to put obedience first. You know, God, you know, he doesn't, he's, not, he's not you know, impressed by all these you know, lofty things that you, you want to do for him in life. Well, he just wants you to obey first. You know, obedience is better than sacrifice. It's more important to God to obey um, than, than any, any sacrifice, any amount of money that you can give 
It, it doesn't matter to God. He just wants obedience from you. So those, that was first things first. That was my first sermon. Last week, I, I, I uh, preached on a mission of submission and how uh, God develops a person's sense of call and trains them for the details of their assignments through a submission to spiritual authority. And we saw this with Samuel. We saw this with David, how Samuel was, was um, developed. His call came from being under Eli. And we see, we see how David, you know, David was anointed king, but he was trained in, in everything under, the, under King Saul. And, you know, there's a lot of people where they, they're scared of, it's not they're scared, but they just don't like the word authority. I mentioned Cartman from South Park. How he's like, respect your authority, you know, and how everybody thinks that people are going to just abuse their authority. And they're like, I don't want to submit, you know, you know, God, and I'm free. I'm a free man. I'm going to do what I want to do. But that kind of freedom, you know, won't get, actually get you freedom, but it gets you more bondage. Now, you might be free to do whatever you want, but until you get into a place of submission, when you go into a church, you, you, you find yourself going to a church, you, you go under the authority of that church, you go under the authority of the pastor and the leader of that church, and you start submitting, you're, you're not going to understand what true freedom is. Now, I lived a life where I just wanted to be free. I was like, man, after college, I'm like, I'm going to be free. Like, you can't, you know, even the police can't tell me what I want to do, man. You can't, police, you're not going to, you're not going to. And, and I, I had that attitude, man. And, and I wanted to be free. I thought I was free, but then for four years, I wasn't free. I was, and for four years, I was in jail. I was in prison. And so, you know, all that wanting to be free, you know, free like the wind, like the bird, it doesn't matter unless you're under submission. You're not going to be able to experience true freedom unless you submit to a spiritual authority. No matter how, you know, crazy and messed up your spiritual authority, God tells us to submit to our authorities. And so that was my sermon from last week. The third part of my series actually comes from uh, Genesis chapter 22. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 22. It's uh, the first book in the Bible. So just go to the front and then find 22. And it, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty long chunk of reading that I want to do. And so what I want to do, so I'm not just up here wasting my voice. Uh, I'll read the first two verses and then you guys read, repeat after me with the next two verses. Uh, and uh, if you, we, we use the ESV version, which is the English Standard Version here in New Philadelphia. But if you have a different version, follow along. But for the sake of uh, harmony, uh, you guys can maybe not, you know, read it out loud. And everybody else with the ESV Bible, Bible will read it out loud. Okay, so I'm going to read uh, chapter 22 uh, from the beginning. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering, one on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and, I and the boy will go over there and worship and come, and, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them, so they went both of them together. Abraham said, God will provide for himself 
When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind them was a ram caught in the thicket of, by, his, by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. You know, no, and let's, let's end right there. <laughs> I forgot to tell you this. That, um, you know, and it says... And after these things, the Lord tested Abraham. Okay? The Lord will test. He said, you know, uh, one of the key things that the Lord will do to develop your call is to test you. He tests you. And God uses his, his test in many different ways. You know? He uses it to solidify our faith. You know, God will use tests to mature us spiritually. It says in James 1, verse 3 to 4, uh, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God will use uh, to accomplish many things in your life. He will use tests in your life to accomplish many things. But one of the things that will, that will come from God testing you is that he's going to develop your sense of call. In the passage we just read in Genesis, we see the life of Abraham. Now, we all know the story of Abraham, how you know, he, he asked God for, you know, God said, he called, and God came to Abraham. It wasn't like Abraham, like, God, you know, I want to do great things in life. I want to I be like the father of many nations, so come to me. And, and that's not happening. God chose Abraham. God, Abraham was, he was, just, he was just kicking it with his wife, Sarah. Ain't got no kids, and so they're just, you know, doing the couple thing. And then God comes to him. He's like, you know what? You know, Abraham, I pick you. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. You know, and, and he knew that God had called him. Abraham knew for sure that he was a called man, that God had called him to do many uh, amazing things. And he had amazing pro- promises. God makes the covenant that Abraham, God makes with Abraham is just an, it's an amazing covenant. It's a promise or blessing, a promise for uh, just a, a prosperity in his life. Um, and, and God to- called him and told him to get up and go to a place that I will tell you. you know, and he was like, man, I'll go. And he just picked up everything and he left. And he followed the call of God. Amen? No, but Abraham lacked the sense of call. Do you guys know that? No, like he did. He followed. He's like, God, I'll follow. I'll do it. You know, I'm going to do it. But he lacked the sense of call. You know, like, he, you know, God calls him, says that he will be the father of nations. You know, and that he, that all of his, he like, look at the stars. All of these stars. This is going to be your descendants. But what happens when he goes to Egypt? You know, he gets up, goes to Egypt, and then in fear for his life, he, he lies and says that his wife, Sarah, is actually his sister. I mean, that's, that's not good. <laughs> Even though that he had this covenant promise from God over him to bless him, to, to, to prosper him, to make him the father of many nations, he goes and he sees, like, the, the Egyptians, and he's like, oh, this is my sister. 
Don't kill me, please. You know? He had the covenant of God over him, but he still lacked the faith to walk in it. He, he had not developed a sense of his call yet. I can just imagine God up in heaven saying, rooting Abraham on, like, Abraham, man, yeah, man, I, you know, I'm going to bless you. You know, you're going to be the father, you're going to be the, 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 the beginning of my people. And he goes to Egypt, and he's like, this is my sister. And God's like, oh, man, come on. I just told you. I got your back. All right, let me see what else you do. Come on, just go, go. And, you know, but God still continues to prosper him in Egypt. You know, he prospers him. He blesses him. And, you know, that promise never leaves him. The promise that God gave Abraham doesn't leave him just because, you know, he, he, he made a stupid mistake. That, Abraham was definitely a God, a man called by God. You know, and what does he do right after that? You know, he, God tells him, you're going to be the father of many nations. He has no kids, right? He's, his, his wife is like, you know, barren. They don't have any kids. And, and then right after God says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations, he goes and gets uh, his, his wife's uh, servant, Hagar, and, and, and you know, has, a, has a baby with her. You know, and there's a sermon that Pastor Christian, that he's called uh, Stop Negotiating with God. And basically what he did was, you know, instead of standing on the promise of God that God gave him, like, I'm going to make you fruitful. I'm going to make you multiply. You're going to be the father of many nations. Instead of believing in that with, with his faith, he kind of tried to help God along. I'm like, we do that. You know, we do that a lot. I'd be like, God, I know, you know, you're gonna, you want me to marry and, and have kids and, you know, have a beautiful wife. Let me go and check out this girl for a second and see if I could help you along with this marriage process. And God's like, no, man, come on. Wait on me. He's like, no, no, let me just... I'm going to just help you, man. She's cute. You know, she got a cute voice. Let me, let me just... Uh... And a lot of times we do that. We do silly things to think that we can help God along. I mean, this is what Abraham does right here. But it, despite this, God's promise never leaves Abraham. You know, and and we, see, we see him going on. He, you know, he, Abraham's and, and he's multiplying. He, he's, he's, he's being fruitful. And things are coming out of it. He has all these cows and goats and camels and all these different things. And all of a sudden, God tests him. He, 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 God promises him a son. God gives him a son, Isaac. He's born. His beautiful baby boy. It's his boy, his son with his, his wife. You know, like, you know, like he's raising his, his son. And, and all of a sudden, one day, he, his son gets to be about, you know, I don't know, like 20 years old. And God's like, Abraham, take your son and take, it up, take him up to a mountain and offer him as a sacrifice to me. You know, and he didn't like it, man. You, you, you know, when we read it, we see that promise, and, and we see him just right away start doing it. But man, imagine the things that he was going through in his mind. And we all don't like tests. A lot of, a lot of us in our lives, you know, we get tested. It's not fun. Why? Because we don't know what's going to happen. It comes abruptly. Tests, like Abraham, came out of nowhere. Man, He's like, he's prospering. He's like, man, I got a son. You know, he's good looking. He looks like me. Yeah, you know. I don't know. He thinks God's going to, you know, he's going to, has a promise. Like God gave me this promise that I'm going to be the father of many nations. Uh, uh, I'm going to be prosperous. I'm going to be, this is, this is God's fulfilling his promise through my son Isaac. And he's like, yeah. And all of a sudden, abruptly, God's like, take your son to a mountain and sacrifice him. And so many times in our life, tests come abruptly. You know that? That's why a lot of times we're like, no, God, we negotiate with him. Oh, come on, I'll do that later. 
let me just do this now. And God's like, no, drop everything. I'm going to test you now. We don't like tests. It makes us uncomfortable. You know? But what does tests produce in us? It says in James, like we read earlier, that it produces steadfastness. Another version says perseverance. You know, and, and a lot of times in our lives, we pray to God, God, give me steadfastness. I want to be steadfast. God, give me, make me persevere. I want to be a man that perseveres. But what you're basically asking God is, God, I want you to test me. <laughs> you know that? When you ask God for steadfastness, or when you ask God, you know, make me, a, make me I, want to be, I want to persevere. You're basically asking God, God, I want you to test me. And what God's telling us in the middle of your test is not despise it. Like, don't despise this test. You know, don't get so impatient and anxious. You, know, you may not know all the details. You know, and maybe it was abrupt. And maybe, you know, you, know, you might have gotten a little freaked out. But, you know, in the end, what's going to be produced in you is going to last for a lifetime. It's the stuff that I'm looking for. That's the gold in you that I want to find. That's why I'm testing you. And you know, if, at the church today, we need steadfastness. You know that? We, the church needs steadfastness. Why? You know, because if all of these, you know, pre-tribulation, rapture, people like uh, Left Behind series with Kirk Cameron. I don't know if you guys all saw that. Basically, it's a, a series of books and movies basically talking about the rapture and how, you know, God's going to take all his people before the tribulation and we're all going to be up in heaven. And all the people on earth is going to you know, go through his tribulation. Nowhere in the Bible does it kind of really mention the rapture. Kind of alludes to it in a little bit. But there's also a lot of, a lot of verses and a lot of passages in the Bible that, that says that we're going to walk through seven years of tribulation. As God's people, as the church, as the bride of Christ, that we're going to walk through seven years of, of tribulation. And, and we're going to come out glorified, glorious. A shining example of the church of God, the, the bride of Christ. And, and nobody knows. We'll find out when we're up in heaven. It's like, ah, you were wrong. I was right. <laughs> you know? But if, if they're wrong, if Kirk Cameron, and, and you, know, I, I, you know, I'm not dogging on Kirk Cameron. I always kind of dog on him in a couple of my sermons. But he's a great guy. I used to watch Growing Pains. Um, <laughs> he was a child celebrity, and he grew up to be just a, a man of God. You know, he's really you know, strong in his faith, uh, very vocal about, about the church. And he's one of the, the, the key figures in, in the in, the people look at as, as an example of the church. Uh, so Kirk Cameron is great, you know, but if the, the pre-trib people are wrong, the church is going to have to go through seven years of tribulation. And in order to do that, we have to have steadfastness. The church needs perseverance. Brothers and sisters, if there is no rapture, we're going to have to go through seven years of tri- tribulation. And that steadfastness is what God's trying to bring out in us. Even, even, you know, even if we go up in the rapture, man, God wants us to have perseverance. He wants us to have, he wants us to have a, a steadfastness in our lives. He wants to have this kind of gold that comes out of us through the testing. And you know what? Seven years is not that long. But steadfastness and perseverance is what's going to bring the, the bride of Christ, the church, out in his glory in the end times. And he does it through tests. He does it by testing us. And you know what? You know why he tests us? It's because he loves us. You know that? And my mom used to be like, ah, you know, this hurts me more than you when, he, when she used to hit me. It kind of makes sense, though. Uh, like, 
Have you ever seen the Hunger Games? Who say who read the book of Hunger Games? Man, if my son, if if I lived in a society where my son at the age of 14 was gonna have to compete in a competition with bows and arrows and swords and knives for her his life, man, I'm gonna train him up. I'm gonna test him. I'm gonna say, man, pick up that sword. You know, like shoot shoot that arrow. You know, hit that chicken. I'm, I'm going to train him up so that he's able to do what he was supposed to do. It's because it's I love him. If the, word, the, 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 the worst thing for me to do is just let him eat you know, Twinkies and Ho-Hos. And like, yeah, man, that'll come. That's when you're 14, but you're six now. So just do whatever you want. All right, you're six now. You got like five, seven. You, know, you got like how many years? You know, just, just have fun. Play Nintendo. You know, play your PlayStation 3. And I don't test my son. And when that time comes, he's not going to be ready. Imagine God with us. Man. God, the reason why he tests us, the reason why he, he, he brings us into these moments where we're like, God, what are you doing? What do you mean? Why are you taking this from me? It's not because he wants to have fun with us. Like he's this arbitrary God like, ha-ha, Caleb. I'm going to take your scooter away. No, he doesn't do that. He does it because he loves us. He wants, to, he wants to bless us and it's for, for our own good. Let's look at the passage today, verse 2. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering to one of, on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose, and he went to the place where God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw, his place, saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to the young man, stay here with the donkey. Blah, blah, blah. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac. And they went up to the, and he took his hand, he took his, he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, my father, here I am, he said. He said, behold the fire, but the wood, but where is the lamb? Where is the burnt offering? And he said, God will provide for himself the lamb and the, and for the burnt offering, son. And when they come to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built an altar and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Now, what I want to point out in me reading all of this is how the Bible goes into excruciating detail of the process in which Abraham goes through to sacrifice his son. Now, look at the details. He's like, he woke up in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men, he cut the, cut the wood. You know, for the burnt offering, took the sword. You know, all these excruciating details to tell the story of how Abraham went about sacrificing, in order to sacrifice his son to the Lord. And why does this? Why does the Bible go on like this? And why did God just say, you know, God told Abraham to sacrifice his son, and Abraham proceeded to do so? It would have been a lot shorter. Why? Because when you're in the middle of testing, it's hard. So as you read these verses, the Bible leads you to empathize with, with what Abraham is going through leading up to that mountain. Now think about it. You know, for the first Tuesday, he's, like, he's saddling his donkey, you know, getting his two men to come with them, all knowing that he's going to sacrifice his, his son, son who, whom he loves. You know, he's cutting up the, the wood. And as he's cutting up the wood, he's thinking in his head, man, I'm going to use this wood to, to eventually... You know, sacrifice my son. You know, and he's going up. He prepares the knife. 
puts it in his belt, knowing that this knife is going to be used to sacrifice his son. Now the Bible gives us gives us to cause us, you know, because God knows how hard it is when we go through tests. Now when we're in that middle of the test, it's hard, and all of that detail is excruciating. And so, you know, he's apathetic about our tests that he gives us. He's not just like, I'm going to give you this test. Peace out. See, see how you end up. I'll come back in a, in a week and see how you fare. No. God gives us a glimpse of what Abraham had to go through, what he had to endure, because he empathizes with us when we go through our tests. Let's keep going. It says in 9, when they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there. And laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Man, like, I don't know how Isaac bound his son. Like, it's pretty, I, I, when I imagine, it's pretty funny. It's like, he has his rope. He's like, hey, Isaac, how you doing? <laughs> he's like, Dad, what are you doing? Oh, just nothing. <laughs> I'm serious. Dad, what are you doing? Just, just nothing. Just chill. Come on. Let me just make this a little tight. And he was like, God, oh, what are you doing? Dad, what are you doing? What are you doing with that knife? You know? That's funny. I don't know. I don't know how he did it. You know, maybe he knocked him out and, you know, laid him on the, on the fire. But it was pretty crazy. But what happens? But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do nothing to him for now. I, for, for, I, for I now... For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind them was a ram caught in a thicket by his horn. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is says, to this day, on the mount, mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. You know, if, if you've ever been called by something, and called by God into something, and He tests you in that call, your sense of call to that thing will be unshakable. Whether it's a job, a relationship, a ministry, when God tests you in your call, it's not to discourage you, it's to strengthen you and encourage you in that call. And it's, make, it's to make you unshakable. You know, I got a, a call for full-time ministry like about a few years ago. And I, what, I was like, I, mean, I want to be a cook, I want to be a chef. I had saved up all this money. Because I wanted to go to like you know culinary school, I saved up. It's really expensive in Korea, man. It's like it's, it's expensive, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna save up some money. And then you know I started dating Pastor Mina. And then I remember one day, these you know these couple of ministers came from IHOP, and and uh, you know I was just God was just really speaking to me that weekend. You know, and, and Pastor Mina knows it. Man, I was just like I, every time I went up, I started crying. You know, coming for the Lord, it's like ah. Pastor Christian calls it my ugly cry. But it's like, ah, oh, and like I just felt God, like God really purging every kind of like just negative idea that I have of myself. Now, you guys, some of you guys, most of you guys know that I've been in prison for four years. I messed up a lot in my life. And he was just purging out all of this. He's like, man, that's not you. This is not your identity. And he spent about a good like two days. I cried a lot, man. He's just purging. Every time we had a ministry cry, I'd be up there. He's like, I try to pray for people. I'm like, ah. And what he was really doing was he was purging all of this, 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 this false identity that I had over myself. And it was really like just kind of removing it from me. And then at one point, 
And I wasn't even supposed to be there. It was at Itaewon campus. And I drove. I had to, his name is Rodney and, 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 and uh, Steven. They're, they're the two guys from IHOP that came down to minister for us. And uh, I was their driver. And I dro- drove the church van. And I, I drove them to Itaewon. And then I wanted to, I, I wanted to uh, drive Mina. I wanted to drive Pastor Mina. To, she was going to Japan. And so I had to drive her to the airport. And I was like, all right, I'm going to drive her to the airport. I'll come back, pick them up. And then she's like, oh, I forgot my passport. And I was like, oh, man, come on. And so I, I just dropped her off, and she went home, and she took the bus to the, to the thing. And so now I have all this free time. I went to the detail. I wasn't even supposed to be there. I really wasn't. And I went, and I was sitting in the back. And the pastor Christian's like, yo, come here. It's prayer time. You're going to pray. And so I started praying for people. It was ministry time. People were all, like, you know, experiencing the power of God. And then I remember, like, He's like, you know, Pastor Christian did this altar call for full-time ministers. Like, you know, I think there's full-time ministers in this place. And I was, like, sitting down. I was like, God, you know, like, I don't want to get up. I really don't. I don't want to, you know. I was like, man, God, like, you know, I, I have my plans. I'm, I'm going to marry Mina. And I'm going to open a restaurant and do all this stuff. And, you know, and I had, I had this heart. And then God's like, you need to get up and accept this altar call. And I was like, no, I don't want to. Like, no, you need to get up and accept this altar call. And I was like, oh. And then it was funny because I saw them from the peripheral vision. I had Stephen was sitting to my left, and Rodney was, they were both behind me. And I got up, and as I was walking up to the altar, they both got up, and they started walking with me. And I was like, what's going on? And I went up there, and I just kind of stood. And right when I stood there, they both put their hand on me. I was like, Poosh. And I like, my feet left the ground. I'm not kidding. I got, I got slain. It's like, it's the most powerful experience that God ever doing. I was on the ground and I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I don't know, everybody said I was screaming, but I was just like, ah, and then God was clearly telling me, you have, you have a, a full-time ministry calling you and I'm establishing it in you right now. You're going to be a pastor. And he reminded me of when I was young, of how I wanted to be a pastor. When I was young, my grandpa used to say, you're good looking, you're going to be a pastor. And he used to always tell me like, man, I was the oldest son. He's like, yeah, man. You know, Jinzu and Jinu, they can become doctors, but you're going to be a pastor. And Jinzu, he's actually becoming a doctor soon. But you're going to be a pastor. You know, he used to pray for me. They all brought it all back up. And he was like, you know, you're, this is your call. You're going to be a pastor. And then I was like, I got up. And then I was like, all right, God, I will, I will do what you say. You know, and in that time, I was established in my call. I knew exactly what I was going to do. I was going to somehow be a pastor. I went to prison. I did not, don't have my degree. Didn't matter. I was going to be a pastor. And I was just kind of, I was established in that place. And then it happened really quickly. Like, you know, everything kind of got, you know, like we got called, me and Mina called to come to Puzan. And then, and then they're like, all right, you guys are going to be the campus pastors. And I was like, what? What's going on? It's like, it was, it was like three months ago. And, and it was like this accelerated course. And then I had it established in my heart that I was going to be married. And I was going to be a pastor in Busan. And it was like established in us. We're like, yeah, we're going. We're going to go as pastors. We're going to get married. And we're going to move to Busan. And we're going to be pastors. And then, and I was like excited. I was like, yeah, it's great. You know, I love, I love my future wife, my fiance. Got her this fat ring. And I was like, I used all that money I got for cooking. I sold it so that I, I, I bought her ring. It was like mad expensive. And I was like, man, I'm going to get married. You know, I'm mad old. I'm like 36 at the time. And I was 35 at the time. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to get married. I'm going to be a pastor. And then all of a sudden, the testing started. And I got just, it just came, it just came out of nowhere. And it came with the 
quickness and it was very fierce. It was this opposition to our, to our marriage from our parents and then all this like crazy things. We didn't know what was going to happen. And at one point, I literally felt like, God, like, like, like you called me to this, but it basically looks like you're going to take it away from me. I mean, we both felt like, man, what's going on? What's going on? And I, at certain points, I was like, man, I want to marry Mina, but maybe not now. Maybe like a couple of years from now when, I, when, when everything works out and, you know, and, I, and, and we'll move to Busan together, not, you know, separately, not living together. All of these crazy thoughts came through my head and, and the testing in the middle of it, I really didn't know what to do. We both didn't know what to do. I mean, but, you know, I, I, I realized at one point, I was like, this is a test from God. God really wants to test my call here in, in, in being a pastor. And, man, it was uncomfortable. It was hard. It was fierce. But we had to really, like, really go into it knowing that in the end, God was going to really you know, make us better, that he was going to bless us. And we, like, we prayed and we warfared and Pastor Christian and Aaron really, like, spoke into our lives. And, and, and in the middle of all of that, you know, I found found joy in knowing that all of this was going to work out for my good, that it was going to ultimately bless me and not kill me. There's that saying, it's from Nietzsche, whatever does not kill me makes me only stronger. You know, and that's, you know, that's a bad way to look at it. That's a false teaching on the truth of God. But you know what? You know, the test of God is not to destroy us, it's to make us stronger. And man, I'm here now, and you know, the calling that I have for Busan is unshakable. You know that? When I came here, I knew that I belong in this city. And I was like, we, we together, me, me and Pastor Mina, we belong in the city. We belong here, and we, we are here to, to lead this church, establish this church. And our, our question, my calling into my marriage is, is unshakable because of the crazy things that I went through. I mean, and, and in the end, it was to make me stronger. It was to make our union stronger. It was to make our, our appointment here in New Philly, Seaside, that much stronger. You know, but today, Christians want to skip over the tests. You know, they want to just hurry it up. Like, you know, when the tests come, they just want to push that fast-forward button. Click. You know that movie, Click? Like, oh, everything's all good. And then, you know, I, at one point, I wanted that. I was like, man, I wish I could fast-forward Mina's mom coming to Korea. Click. She's gone. Yay! Yeah, you know, but a lot of times that's what the church, it, the, the people of God, that's what they want to do. Man, they want to fast forward through life. They want to fast forward through the test. They don't want to go through it. It's too uncomfortable. It's too uncomfortable for them. You know, and, and in this case, this is where the people lack a sense of calling their life. Now, let me tell you how God works. He works. He gives you a call to something. Then he tests you in that area. Or that's something. He may take it away or he may present an obstacle. Then through his provision and through your faith in God, he gets you past that into a place where you're stronger in the end. And he establishes you back into your call. That's how God works. I mean, that's how God worked with Abraham. And like David. David was called to be king. You know, Samuel anointed him as king when he was a teenager. But then... You know, there's this testing of where he has to live this life running away from the very thing that God had called him to. The king Saul was trying to kill him, you know. And that was a testing. And God was saying, I want to see how you respond, David. Because I know how Saul will respond. But I want to see. I want to see. And I want to make this 
produce in you steadfastness. That's going to really is be able to take you and, and my people. And this is for my people. And it's going to make, the, make you guys stronger in the end. That's how God t- tested David. He tests the ones he loves. Don't despise a time of testing. Don't skip over it. Don't try to fast forward over it. God's trying to produce in you a sense of call, a steadfastness, so that you can be faithful to the details of your assignment. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offsprings as the stars of heaven and as the sands that is in, on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed, obeyed my voice. You know, when, you, when your faith, faith is tested and you honor God with a wholehearted commitment, God puts a guarantee on your call. You guys got to know that. I'm going to say that again. When your faith is tested and you honor God with a wholehearted commitment, God puts a guarantee on your call. What does it say in verse 17? I shall, he's saying he guarantees it. It said, you, I shall, I, I will surely bless you. I guarantee it. You're going to get blessed. If you give me that whole heart, I will surely do it. Because you responded with your whole heart. Your wholeheartedness. Because of it, I'm going to guarantee your call. That is the way you get all the blessings of God. That's the way you get the guarantee of God's perfect, perfect will in your life. You say you stay wholeheartedly committed to committed to Him, and you honor Him through the tests. Now Abraham wasn't like, God, why are you doing this to me? I guess I'll go. And he takes his son. Come on, come with me. And going up the mountain, like, God, God, why do I have to do this? He did it wholeheartedly. He wasn't up in the mountain with that knife going like, oh, maybe he needs a sharper knife. <laughs> no, he was like, ah, I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? And God had to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Abraham, stop. Man, you, you kind of crazy. <laughs> right? but, but God was like, man, this guy has his heart. He's wholeheartedly going to do Obey me no matter what. He has his heart to just to surrender it all to God. And that's what God was looking for. And that's what God blesses. And he said, when your heart is like this, and you're committed through the test, when I test you, and you're like, man, God, I'll do it. I know it sucks right now, but I know that you have greater things for me. So I'm just going to go through this test wholeheartedly with joy in my heart. And God's like, you know what? I'm gonna, I guarantee you I'm going to bless you. It says right here, I will surely bless you. I will, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sands of the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemy. It says your offspring shall, shall, shall possess the gates of your enemy. That's amazing talk right there. I mean, this means that not only will, you, will God deliver you from your bondages, but he's going to use you to deliver others out of their bondages. You're, you're going to possess the gates of the enemy. It means you're going to go into nations like when, on our mission trips. You're going to go to places where the enemy has been wreaking havoc for generations and generations. And you're going to go there and you're going to free people. 
And you're going to establish God's kingdom in them. You're going to possess the gates of your enemies. And let me tell you, the, the blessings in verse 17 wasn't just for Abraham, but it was also for his children. After Abraham died and Isaac told his children about how his daddy almost killed him, about how God provided a ram and how God told him how surely he will bless him, he was telling it to his kids as well. And he was saying, sons, that blessing that, you know, Grandpa Abraham had, that I have, it's also for you as well. Brothers and sisters, every time that story was told to the, the people of Israel, it gave them a sense of call. It gave the people of Israel a sense of call because of what Abraham went through, because he went through those tests. And you know what? These blessings were not only for Abraham and his children, but it's also for his children's children and his children's children's children's. And it's for us as well, because we are called what? We are declared as the seeds of Abraham. Amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that this blessing is for you? Do you guys believe it? That he will surely bless you? Because if you do believe it, any test that comes, you're going to be able to do it with joy in your hearts. It's a promise. It's a guarantee that he gave us. And you know what? The testing that you always endure, it doesn't end with you. You know, there's things that Pastor Christian and Aaron, they need to, they, they endure so that we don't have to endure it. You know, there, there are tests that they go through so that, that when it comes to us, we, we get that blessing. You know, testing and breakthrough that you receive are many times not just for you, but it's for people in your community. For the offsprings. For people under your authority. You know, I believe, I, I, this is what I believe. You know, yesterday my, my cousin got married, and I believe that me and Pastor Mina confronting just that, that the spirit of control and the witchcraft spirit, the manipulation, that domineering spirit that's over Korean parents, you know, we, you know, we really confronted that. And, you know, we really just fought it because we knew that it was not from the Lord. And by us really fighting that and getting that breakthrough in our lives, that kind of Bless my cousin as well. And my cousin was going through that as well. My cousin dating this dude for seven years, and they would not relent. And my cousin's like, man, I love this man. You know, I love him. And, and even my, even my, my, my uncle at one point is like, you know what? I'm going to relent, and I'm going to let, you know, in my heart, I'm going to give you my heart. And he did. You know, he gave his blessing a while back. My aunt was like, no. No, no I can't. I can't let this happen. It was a, you can tell, it was like a, a bondage in her life. Do you know what I mean? But she, she, she could not, she could not relent. And, and, and when I, at a certain point, you realize that that kind of, the spirit that's controlling the parents is not from the Lord. So me and, me and Pastor Mina, we really confronted that. And then right after I got married, because when I was getting married and she was, you know, she's my, my aunt and she, you know, she, she kind of went through that with me. She's like, oh, I know you went to prison, but you're a good kid now. I don't know why she doesn't like you. And then I, and then that breakthrough came into her life. She was like, man, this is what I'm doing. And by us confronting it and finding our breakthrough, my cousin was able to have her breakthrough. Because like three months, I, three months after I got married, my cousins got engaged. And now they're married. And God's blessing that marriage. I mean, it doesn't end with you. When you go through tests, your children, it, it flows from you. 
and you bless him. The people that you're, that you're around, it flows out of you and it blesses him. But you've got to endure those tests. Brothers and sisters, we as a church, we have to be willing to go through the test. And we have to do it wholeheartedly, honoring the Lord. We can't despise it. And if you have a sense of call, you're going to do it with joy in your heart. And you're like, man, how am I going to do, do this with joy in my heart? Are you kidding me? I'm going through this test. You know, you, you, you call me to this job, you know, and, and, and you give me this boss that's like Hitler. You know, this horrible boss that's like manipulating me and telling me to do all this stuff. You want me to go through this with joy? And God says, yes. I want you to go through it with joy. Because it might suck a little bit right now. It might be really bad now. But God's producing in you a steadfastness that's going to last for you. For a lifetime. You know? Our sister Jan went through this. When she first moved here, man, she got a, God called her to this job. She, she moved here first. She was the first one to move down here. She got this job. You know, and because of this job, she, she moved away, like moved all the way to City Hall. And then she realized this job, there's, the environment was just horrible. And she would come, and we'd have our meetings, and she'd cry. And we're like, oh, we're praying with you. We, we, Jane, and she's like, oh. And we pray for her, and we're like, man, you got to, you know. And, but you know what? She knew it was a test. At one point, she had a chance to leave. She's like, you know what? I could leave. And she really did. She had a chance to leave. And then. God reaffirmed her in her call. And she was like, you know what? I could leave, but I'm going to stay and endure this test. And I'm going to leave by them releasing me. She clearly said that. It's like, I don't want to just quit. I want them to release me. And she endured. And she was like, you know, all those times where she was crying, I was like, man, just quit, girl. Man, they're mean, man. You got to just quit. Just quit. And she's like, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight this. I'm gonna endure this test. You know what? And I want them to, I want to learn everything I can out of this. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna overcome this. And I want them to release me. And I was like, man, you're crazy. Korean, Korean companies, man, they can do horrible things to you. I get a lot of Korean companies, man. People get broken, especially foreigners that work for Korean companies, man. There's a lot of manipulation there. I'm not saying all Korean companies are bad. But it's tough, man. It's not work, like working for a Hagwon. Like, they love you at Hagwon. You think your Hagwon's bad? Try to work for a Korean company, man, as like a, a designer or something, man. It's, it's crazy. But she was like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna face this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through this test. And she did. And one point, man, her boss really liked her, and she's like, you know what? I don't think, with with your talents and with your heart and what the type of person you are, I don't think you would thrive in a in a place like this. You know. The, and it basically said, you're above this. He said, I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to leave it up to you that you can, you can just go if you want. You, know, you don't have to work for us. And basically, her, her supervisor was like, no, you can't, you know. But her, her boss, the lady, they're above you, right? Her, all your, she was like, man, I want you guys to go. I leave it into your hands. And she actually released her. Right? And she endured that test. And that's the, that's the kind of heart that we need to have, brothers and sisters. You know, we have to be willing to go through those tests. And let's read in verse 8. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. 
Did you ever notice that Abraham and Isaac, they're asked, they're talking about a lamb, like lamb, like bah, lamb. But what does God provide? He provides a ram. And it says, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, be, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up as a burnt uh, offering instead of his son. And you think God was up in heaven like, you know what, where's all the lambs at? I can't find no lamb. Oh, man, this, is gonna, this ram's going to have to do. Here you go, Abraham. You think that's what happened? I believe that both Abraham and Isaac were prophetically speaking about another lamb. This is a divine discrepancy that God puts into this Bible, into the Bible. When they were saying, where is the lamb? And, and Abraham saying, God will provide the lamb. They were prophetically speaking about another lamb. A lamb that would come generations upon generations later. They're prophetically speaking about the lamb of God, which is Jesus Christ. You see, this test that God gives Abraham was a pretty sick test. And you guys basically saying, go murder your son, kill your son. And it's my test to you. And this wasn't an Old Testament thing that, you know, happened on a regular basis. Now, there's crazy stuff that happened in the Old Testament. This wasn't one of them, you know. God's not like, he's not like, sacrifice your son Isaac. Sacrifice your son Isaac, Abraham. And Abraham's like, oh, uh, this happened to Nagab in the other village last week. So I guess, you know, I'm just going to have to do it. Just this, the Old Testament standard, I guess. No. This was even sick for the Old Testament standards. It was a sick test. It was offensive. I'm sure at one point you guys have thought about this, this about you know him sacrificing his son Isaac, and, and almost thinking like he's a crazy man. If God called you today, Julie Shrek, that you are to sacrifice your dogs, you're gonna say like, man, you are a sick man. That's a sick test. Why, God? But you won't think about it. How much more for a son that you brought up, brought into the world through your loving wife? Now, this test that God gave Abraham was a sick test. It was an in- intense test. Brothers and sisters, this is also a divine discrepancy. God didn't pick this sick test for dramatic effect. <laughs> it wasn't like, man, I don't put some crazy stuff in the Bible. Kill your son. That's not what he did. But it was a prophetic sign of another father that would have to do the same thing. But where Abraham didn't have to go through, through with it, the father, the other father, he actually did. Where Isaac was unharmed. He only, he only got tied up. But the other son was beaten, whipped, and ultimately crucified on the cross. This test is sick, intentionally placed in the the first book of the Bible to foreshadow another test that will come. To preface the coming of the Lamb. The Lamb of God. The Lamb that God Himself will provide. It says in the Word, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His name was Jesus. Where this sick test of Abraham was just a test for God, it was a real deal. He sacrificed His only Son to atone for the sins committed by you and me. He provided the, the provision to sacrifice to satisfy his own justice and anger against those sins. And you know what? When God develops your sense of call, when God starts developing your sense of call and he tests you, you know, 
And you know what? The truth be told, we often fail our tests, right? I, my life is filled with failed tests. And all my life, God would test me in things. I'd be like, man, sorry, God. But one, but one man did not fail his test, and that was Jesus Christ. Where we fail, Jesus did not fail. And it's because Jesus, the Lamb of God, because he passed that test, because he endured that cup that was placed before him, it's because of him that we can claim this verse in Genesis 22. Surely, I will surely bless you. We can claim that promise because of Jesus. I will surely bless you. I put a guarantee upon your call that if you follow me wholeheartedly, and if you endure the tests that I place before you, I will surely bless you. That guarantee comes from the blood of Jesus Christ. That we will possess the gates of our enemies. Now you inherit all these promises and blessings because Jesus endured the ultimate test for you. He did. And when you find yourself in the middle of the test, it says in the Bible, count it as joy. Know that because Jesus endured that test and your hope in Him, that all things are possible through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. That this test that God gives you because He loves you, just like He loved the Son, is going to strengthen you. It's going to strengthen your calling and the assignments that He gives you. He's testing you to bring you increase into that. And it's never to discourage you or put you down. It's to develop your sense of call. I want you guys to close your eyes. And you know what? Some of you guys today might be feeling like you guys are going through some testing. You know, God's called you to something and you're going through a time of testing. You feel like you feel like like trapped. Like you don't know. You don't know the will of God. You don't know what God wants you to do. Or some of you guys know what God wants you to do, but it's too hard. You're like, God, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this for you. God's telling you today, look upon my son, Jesus Christ. Look to me. Look to me. If you have faith in me, if you know who I am, if you believe in me, if you put all of your trust in me, those tests will be a joy to you. And those tests are there to bring blessing into your life. Those tests are there to strengthen you and encourage you. And ultimately, those tests that I place before you is going to develop you into a, in, in your sense of call. You're going to know what I want you to do. You don't, you're going to know where I want you to be. You're going to know exactly the, the, the person that, that I'm eventually going to make you into. But right now, he's saying, you know what? Follow me and test and, and, and endure these tests with me wholeheartedly, with your whole heart. Like Abraham, about to sacrifice Isaac. He gave it all. He's like, God, I don't care. I don't care. I love this son. I love my son. He's, he's everything to me. But you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to endure this test with my whole heart. And God calls you into that today. 
God's calling you into that today. And brothers, sisters, whatever test you're going through, I want to tell you that it's only for a little while. Right now, in the middle of it, you might be thinking, man, this is too hard. I don't want to do this. I just want to quit. I don't care what lessons I'm going to learn out of this. But God's saying, you know what? It's only for a little while. Endure. Be steadfast. And in the end, you're going to reap the rewards. You're going to you're going to see the blessings that I have for you. Father God, I just declare over this house that we will be a people that endures your tests. That we will be a people that are steadfast. We will be a people of perseverance that endure. That we will be a people that look at the tests as an opportunity for increase. A generation of people that will not skip over it, that will not fast forward over it, that will not avoid it, but will go into it head on, knowing that you are in control, knowing that you have our back, that no matter what happens, that you are sovereign and you are good, and your grace endures forever, your mercies endures forever. You are a good God, and, and you know what? no matter what the test is, I'm going to endure it, I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. And, the, and, and what is produced in me is going to benefit me for a lifetime. God, make us into people like that. Make us like Abraham, God. Develop our sense of call, Lord, through our tests. By the testing of our faith, God. That we will have a faith that is rooted, that, a faith that's been tested, that's endured, that's been steadfast, God. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the brothers and sisters in this room. I thank you for our leadership. I thank you, Lord, that as leaders, there will be tests. And, and as these tests comes, comes, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that these brothers and sisters, they will endure. They will face these tests with but boldness and perseverance, God. And in it, they're going to increase. And they're going to grow. They're going to multiply. They're going to be fruitful. And they're going to possess the gates of their enemies. So we thank you, Lord. We bless your name. We pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen.